focus. Hello there to you. It's Troy Stockton with another edition of the Rural Focus podcast. Yes, the voice of agriculture here in WA. It's happening in agriculture, horticulture, aquaculture circles. Hopefully everything going along nicely. Can only hope the weather is one thing, isn't it? And uh, well, our, our thoughts are still with those on the East Coast going through oh, just about everything really, haven't they? We complain here in WA that we had a, a bit of rain and a bit of a hailstorm late last week, but nothing like what is happening over there on the East Coast and our thoughts with our farming fraternity over there. Succession planning. Well, apparently it's one of the biggest issues for agribusiness families. Are you an agribusiness family? Are you chatting about this? If you are or if you're not, we're going to get some tips from a lady who put an article together from BDO. Her name? Jodie Knowlton, and Jodie is one of the authors, and she's a partner at BDO and a leader in their agribusiness team. So looking forward to catching up with Jodie and speaking about that. Also, we'll catch up with a WA grower who has been elected the new chair at Grain Growers here in Australia. Outgoing chair Brett Hoskin, he submitted his resignation from the board and Brett offered tireless service during his time in the position. So who is the WA grower taking over from Brett Hoskin? We'll find out very soon. And how did last Thursday's Mount Barker cattle sale go? There's only one person to speak to, really, isn't there? From Nutrient Livestock here in WA, the one, the only Harry Carroll will join us very soon. But speaking of joining us today... Is Stu McKenzie. Good morning, Troy. Good morning, listeners. How are we all today? How did it all end up there at Albany, mate? What a fantastic little show the Albany show is. Being, being that last two days of the year, I, I tell you what, I don't think the weather deterred too many of the punters from coming out and having a good look around. So exhibitor numbers were certainly down. Um, however, I, I reckon uh, people through the gates, particularly on Friday, um, it was also it was a people free day on Friday down here. I, I reckon the numbers were certainly up. Saturday... The weather wasn't really our friend. Uh, it drizzled most of the day, uh, but in saying that, it was still a pretty good day from where we saw it, from where we from where we were. And look, I think everyone who was there exhibiting and or attending had a pretty good weekend. So yeah, that's right. off to the committee and the volunteers who put it all together. Now I haven't asked you yet, mate, uh, since this news broke. I do apologise. Alana McTinnon, of course, as everybody knows, is stepping down in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, haven't asked you who uh, who would you like to see take over? Have to be Darren West, wouldn't it? Well, that's what I'm. I'm hearing it's out of him and uh, Jackie Jarvis. Yeah, obviously Jackie's been the right hand, the right hand woman to mm. uh, Alana for I think they both a long have, time. Really, they? Yeah, I think they've both been involved yeah. at some point. But I would have thought Darren West would would almost be the favourite to mm. pick up the portfolio. But look, who knows? Because yeah, yeah. at a federal level. We had Murray White with no ag experience coming from the law. Um, and we've seen the current government do all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Uh, none of it really makes sense, but hey, here's what it is, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, I'm guessing the Labor Party do know. They're just not saying at the moment. So uh, we'll just have to uh, wait and see on that one, mate. Uh, looks like uh, now uh, Western Australia now on track to break 26 million tonne crop. Uh, now real possibility. And with what's going on with the weather, mate, that's going to go gangbusters after what happened last year. Well, 26 million tonne up off. What was it last year? 21? So, 20, well, uh, about 23, 24, wasn't it? 23, Close so, yeah. yeah, look, um, well, CBH have already moved 1.18 mm. Met or million ton of last year's carryover, yeah. so they've they've upped their shipping capacity. So that's a very positive thing. Um, however, now it's just about making sure that we can actually number one get it in the bin, mm. b 
but number two, and more importantly, get contracts for it and, and actually deliver it. So, yeah, yeah we'll just have to play, play this space out, I think. Yeah, we just have to wait and see on that one. Uh, speaking of uh, harvest in some kind of way, mate, because I think, uh, what, still a couple of weeks away for most around... WA? Yeah, look, I Is think it's going hearing? to be another another couple of weeks yet mm. before most people in the Great South down here crack on in. So, look, you know, we've had a fair amount of rain. Obviously, we had a fair bit of hail last week. So now it's a matter of just making sure that we can actually get it in the bin is the big thing because yeah. it's not paid for unless it's delivered to CBH or to our market of choice. So, yeah, now it's just about making sure that we can actually deliver it, I guess, is the big thing. So... Hay's pretty much wrapped up, mate, in a way. Yeah, I've been seeing all over the yeah, Twitter same. sphere and yeah. Facebook and the land of social media that Hay is pretty much done. I was, I was talking to a few guys over the weekend down here at Albany and certainly Hay is just about done and some Hay's been forced into silage, I think. So, yeah, we'll just have to just have to play this one out, I think, and just see where it ends up. But, yeah, I think for the most part, Hay's done. I think the export market might cop a bit of a flogging this year. There might be a little bit, you know, I think it was still 280 or 270 bucks a tonne for export, so domestic will be out there a little bit. So look, I think it's just a matter of, once again, watch this space, play your markets as much as you can and deliver the quality that we can deliver. Um, I think the export boys have said, well, OK, inoculated hay into XYZ facility is going to be OK, and if your moisture is too far out, guess what? You're going to be stuck with it. So, yeah, that, that 10 to 12% moisture level for export hay, I think, is going to be a bit of an issue to achieve this year. What are you hearing from Harvest Road, mate? Harvest Road, yeah, they were at the show on the weekend. I'll tell you what, what a fantastic idea and a concept. So Harvest Road, with obviously their beef out of Harvey and their oysters and what have you down here, they're after staff at the moment. They're chasing water testers and soil testers and, uh, and associated uh, roles, both at, well, across all their sites, um, but Harvest Road with the Mindaroo Foundation backing it and obviously forests involved there. What a fantastic initiative this is. So um, it's good to see our big miners and our big corporations actually putting back in and, and diversifying as well. Uh, as we know, Reinhardt's involved with Bannister Downs Dairy down at Northcliffe and Twiggy's involved here and a few others are involved around the place. So look, it's fantastic. Just right. watch this space with Harvest Road and, and obviously Bannister Downs with Jenna uh, Reinhardt. And I'm guessing uh, road safety and uh, farm safety uh, with uh, people getting ready for harvest and everything else, mate, uh, is high on the agenda at the moment. Yeah, and this is, look, we had another farm death over in New South Wales this week. Um, another guy killed over there. Um, come a guts on a tractor. There's quad bikes and side-by-sides falling over and just, I think a lot of it is fatigue and I think there's a few people who are pushing, pushing the boundaries a little bit too much, but you go out to a crop inspection 4.30 in the afternoon with a beer in your hand, not always going to end well. So, But yeah, look, ladies and gents, please just take it easy. If you, Whether you're driving around the farm, you're on a gravel road or you're on the asphalt uh, or you're in town, please just take it easy because... There's no need to rush. We don't need to be going 100 miles now to get somewhere which is only 10 minutes down the road. So please, just take it easy because there's been way too many near misses and way too many fatals on our roads this year. And unfortunately, our state road toll is creeping up there and 65% of those numbers are regional WA. So I think it's something like 70% of the annual road toll across Australia is ag-related or regional Australia-related. So... Too close to the pointy end of the year, ladies and gents. Let's just take it easy on our roads, drive to the conditions, drive to your own abilities, and let's not push the boundaries. And just stick to the speed limit, because you're better off arriving alive than not at all. So just take it easy. Very yeah, good. There's no need. There's no need to uh, go flogging along too much. No, your destination is not going to move anywhere. So it still takes the same amount of time to get from one place to the next, uh, even if you are doing 120 k an hour. So the difference between 120 k an hour and 110 k an hour is three minutes.
Anything else before? Like I, I sound like much. <laughs> no. Yeah, but, that's all yeah. it is. All right. Uh, anything else before I let you go this morning, mate? No, nah, look, please, ladies and gents, have a great week. Uh, I think there's still a little bit more weather around. Mm. But have a great week, and we look forward to speaking to you next Monday. Have a great week, mate. Thanks, Troy. Thanks for listening. Have a great one, and stay safe. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you, and other goods and services may be available. Well, my next guest this morning really doesn't need an introduction around WA. Of course, the news filtered through uh, late last week that, uh, well, grain growers announced their new board appointments. Uh, outgoing Chair Brett Hoskins, he submitted his resignation from the board, and we're happy to say that a WA grower will take over. As I said, this bloke doesn't really need an introduction. Uh, Rhys Turton, good morning and congratulations. Ah, g'day, Troy. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, good to have a chat. Thanks for calling up. When did you find out, mate? Uh, look, we we had a um, a vote of the board last week. Yep. Had a um, had a meeting in Adelaide with our committee meetings and a and a scheduled board meeting. Something we do annually. We just um, put all the positions on the table, part of our sort of governance strat- strategy process, and um, that was the result. So yeah. Good bit of WA representation, so that's wonderful. And you become the first WA-based chair of grain growers. Yes, indeed. Some big shoes to fill after what Brett did for for grain growers around yeah, Australia, mate. It, in, indeed, Troy. Look, Brett, Brett had a, a very high profile. He did some great work for grain yeah. growers. He's got a you know very well-established network right around Australia. He he certainly put the organisation on the map. And um, yeah, we we underwent a, a, a big new strategic plan with uh, Brett's leadership and we're in the process of um, turning that into something operational right now. So it's exciting times. Um, and look, just, just to put on the record, we, we certainly want to thank Brett for all the effort he's put in um, and all the successes he achieved in his time as chair. Uh, your deputy is Queensland grower Nigel Courish, is that right? Yes, Nigel, yep. Nigel, yep. Nigel steps up to the deputy role. So Nigel's a, a grain grower and cotton grower from Queensland, who's uh, having plenty of uh, plenty of moisture over there at the moment, <laughs> including this weekend just gone. So um, if we think we've got some uh, moisture and hail over here, you want to take a trip over there and see it. It's quite unbelievable. Yes, uh, hearing and seeing on social media, mate, it's, yeah, can you believe what's going on over there? Yeah, no, quite, quite devastating, yeah. really. I think even this weekend... Um, some areas have been smashed again, so it's uh, very, very trying times. Not, notwithstanding that, uh, plenty of our guys here have had some hail damage and weather damage too. But that's over there. It's very widespread and and uh, just never seems to end at the moment. Now I believe, mate, you're just about ready to finish up with hay. Yeah, 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 yeah. just trying to wrap up the yeah. end of the hay. That's seems to have taken eons as well, <laughs> but just that just that type of year. So yep, coming up pretty well, but just. Uh, Taking us, I think we're into our fifth week of trying to make hay at the moment. So, so when will harvest start for you, mate? Probably in a couple of weeks. Um, I I would hope very shortly. Okay. So I think as soon as we can get the last bale of hay out of the paddock, we'll jump on a header and get into some canola. And it looks like uh, WA. Well, the report coming out across the weekend, uh, Reese, is that we're now on track to, to beat that 24 million tonnes. Yeah, ab- absolutely incredible, isn't it? Especially yeah, with the just, way the weather's amazing. been and everything else. So, uh, yeah, it yeah. looks like close to maybe 26 million tonnes. So That's just phenomenal. Yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, big big hectares planted mm. and probably not that severe frost event like we had last year. Um, so that's that's probably put a bit of bit of extra in, um, not, notwithstanding the, the recent hail event, of mm. course. But, no, ab- absolutely amazing. And I think it just... Um, 
puts the focus back on um, back on supply chains and transport routes, and that's certainly something that grain growers are, are looking into quite extensively on on a national basis. But just seeing that as a real bottleneck within the grains industry, so sort of grain freight and supply chains yeah. is a is a major focus for us, as as it is for all the advocacy groups. Yes, I was going to ask you about that uh, with the uh, supply chain and everything else, mate. Uh, it would be uh, numero uno on uh, I'm sure sure on on your list at the moment. Yeah, yep. for sure. Look, we've got you know five or six major topics, and that's one that keeps coming up Australia wide. So we get our sort of feedback and, yep. and policy setting through the, the national policy groups, so the group of growers that exist around Australia that feed back in you know ideas to, to grain growers, and that is um, you know one of the top five. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a major cost to growers. Um, then it's a major impost in that system. So that's just a matter of getting all the uh, all the players and stakeholders together, and I guess putting a bit of pressure back on government to uh, try and rectify these issues. And what are you hearing from the government, mate? Are they trying to help you out here, or what's the game? Yeah, look, yeah. you know, we we've just got to keep keep hammering the door, yep. try and put those sort of mega trends and, and mega issues in front of them and just, uh, I, I think it's really pointing out what the tangible cost is to the industry and then, you know, to the greater economy. And I guess, mate, uh, trying or exciting times ahead? Well, exciting times, yeah. um, but you've just got to roll with what's yep. needed in terms Absolutely. of infrastructure, yeah. really. So these sort of, you know, 20 plus million tonne crops in the better seasons are going to be common. Um, so there's just yeah, we just need to get a great focus and and put mm. some pressure on, um, you know, easing those bottlenecks and getting a pretty pretty good thorough integrated process and and networking. And with that twenty six million ton crop possibly here in WA, does that help out the east coast in some sort of way here, Reese? <laughs> well, I suppose <laughs> if they're short domestically yeah. Yeah. over there, Troy, you know, there may be opportunities to sell into that market. Yeah. I'm just not sure how that's going to pan out. There's, I, I don't think they know themselves no, what what no. the shortfalls are going to be or the the extent of damage. And um, I, you know, I think I think quality and protein is going to be a major issue over there. So maybe there's opportunity for the for the better protein grains out of WA. Um, although I think they're they're in fairly high demand from yeah. an export point of view too. So yeah. that might be some uh, some gaps we can fill. Absolutely. Well, mate, uh, thanks for taking the call this morning. You're probably taking uh, phone calls left, right and centre on uh, on the news. And, of course, uh, you do uh, become the do- first WA-based chair for grain growers, mate. Good luck with the job. Uh, I know that you'll be busy, 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 but hopefully we can chat with you uh, throughout uh, 2022 and going into 2023. Beauty. Th- thanks very much, Troy. It's been a pleasure. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you and other goods and services may be available. At Tom of the Morning on Rural Focus to catch up with the great man, Harry Carroll from Nutrient Livestock. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Troy. Morning, listeners. All right. How'd we go at Mount Barker last week, mate? All right, Troy. Total of 1,186 uh, yarded last week and the Nutrient Livestock team put together 640 of those. Bit of a different makeup of the numbers last week. New season weaners are in quite large numbers, particularly um, uh, weaner steers. Yearling steers and heifers, yeah, numbers dropping away as is quality, as I mentioned the week before. Also, cows were just in modest numbers last week. Anyway, quotation, six to seven hundred kilo steers sold to the export trade at three thirty to three ninety six cents a kilo, with five to six hundred kilo steers also to the trade buyers at three twenty to four hundred and thirty cents, would have averaged three fifty for the day there. Heavy boning room heifers, just odd sales of these and, and a widespread of quality and a widespread of prices, two sixty to three hundred and fifty cents a kilo live weight. Now yielding steers over four hundred kilos, these sold to local and eastern states feeders at four forty. 
to 5.26 cents a kilo. Would have averaged 4.70. Pretty solid market there, Troy. Wiener steers. Now, there's a really good quality offering of wiener steers. And there's a fair bit of weight in them, you know, in that 360 to 410, 15 uh, kilos live weight. A few calves over 420 kilos line weight, wiener steers sold at 500 cents. With 380 to 420 kilo wiener steers, 490 to a top of 542 cents a kilo and would have averaged 530 for the day there in a solid market. 330 to 380 kilo wiener steers, these are plentiful uh, and they sold from 510 to 588 cents a kilo, would have averaged 570 to the feeders. 280 to 330 kilo wiener steers sold to both grazers and feeders at 540. 6.20 cents a kilo, and the lightweight wieners, they were a bit easier last week at 5.80 to 600 cents a kilo. There was some reasonable buying in them to put back in the paddock. Uh, heavy prime cows, these sold at 2.80 to 3.20 cents a kilo, and a bit of a softer market for those, and they had been all week. Medium cows, 2.60 to 3.20 cents a kilo, would have averaged 3.05. And heavy bulls, 300 to 320 cents a kilo covered those. That wrapped that up, Troy. Yeah, all right. Now, I believe, mate, coming up very soon, you've got your, uh, your very first two-day fixture, not too far away. Yeah, the two-day sales start for the season on the 1st and 2nd of December, so the wiener sale on the 1st and the export sale, trade sale on the 2nd. Now, there's some changes this year, Troy, as there has been changes to arrival and start times throughout the southwest and um, and, and Newshake. So our arrival times for wieners on Wednesday prior to the Thursday sale will be all afternoon up until 5pm, and our deliveries on Thursday morning will cease at our receivals rather on th- on Friday, Thursday morning will cease at 8 a.m. and our start sales start time will be 11 a.m. 11 a.m. All right. So if uh, the farmers and the growers want to know more about the first two day fixture, need to get in contact with you there, Harry. Yeah, very yep. much so. Yep. But the major major thing is is the uh, delivery times. Yep. The change on uh, Thursday morning that ceases at eight o'clock. Okay. And our start time will be 11 a.m. on every Thursday. Right. So there you go. All right. So uh, be aware of that. If you are wanting to know more about that, uh, do get in contact with uh, Harry over the next few days. Anything else before I let you go this morning, mate? Pretty right. Pretty We've got right. that Coonamble uh, disper- not dispersal, but reduction sale of females on uh, Tuesday, the 22nd of November. So that's uh, that's only a week or so away. Yeah. So um, we uh, we look forward to that day, and it'll um, be one not to miss by not to be missed by a lot of producers in WA. Mate, as always, nice to chat on a Monday. Have a great week. We'll do it again next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Troy. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you and other goods and services may be available. Well, succession planning is one of the biggest issues for agribusiness families. Maybe you're uh, you're thinking about this at the moment. Maybe you've got a bit of time up your sleeve with uh, no harvest starting here in WA due to the weather. So we thought we'd put the call out to the team at BDO today. And one of the authors, Jody Knowlton, is with us. And Jody is a partner at BDO and a leader in their agribusiness team. Jody, good morning there to you. Hi, Troy. It's nice to be with you and, and your listeners today. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, BDO, uh, what can you tell us about the firm here? The BDO is a full-service business advisory and accounting firm. So we look after businesses from small mum and dad businesses um, all the way up to large corporations in all the different aspects of what they might have going on. We've got offices all around Australia and all around the world. But our main focus is to try and help people with uh, with what problems they've got coming up all and right. really try and have a personal touch to it. So, uh, Jade's, why is communication vital when planning for the next generation in agribusiness? Communication is, is a big 
big factor that we see within family businesses that we work with, um, especially in the agri space. Mm. I grew up on a, on a cattle property and um, communication is always the hardest part um, that we find with all our clients and that I've seen in my own family. Yeah. The key thing behind that is the assumptions that a lot of people have around what may happen going forward or how to operate what they've got going on at the moment yeah. and what decision might be happening going forward. And there's underlying assumptions and without really effective communication or even any communication, then that can really start eating away at relationships between family members. And that's the uh, the sad thing that we see. I know you've uh, written up that there's a few options here. Option one, dividing properties and the business. Uh, I'm guessing that there's both pros and cons with this? Yeah, I think there's there's definitely pros and cons with, with both different options that are available. So mm. you know, when you're looking at succession planning or, or, or how the business might continue going forward, there's options of dividing the property up. And, and that's where a lot of the assumptions and, and inherent within the agricultural space that we find is that that's what people think they have to do. You know, we've got kids sitting there that we, we should then work out, okay, how can we d- divide up our wealth to then give to the certain people or the eldest or the person who stayed on property is the one that should take over the property. And that underlying assumption kind of sits there that that's how it works and all the other siblings kind of need to fend for themselves um, if there's not enough to kind of share around. So there's there's the option of, that's the underlying assumption that that people have around the place, but there's the option of dividing it up or possibly keeping it together. And the, the pros and cons associated with both of those is dependent on the business. Okay. Um, and dependent on the fam- on the family as to which way is probably best for the business to go. So when you're thinking about the the pros and cons of of each of these different options, we yeah. really need to understand the dynamics of the business to start with. So we really need to understand what's going on, what is the the, the value of what's happening around the place. So some of the the pros of um of dividing up the business is that the next generation then is 100% in control of what their destiny is. They have their the assets and then they can make decisions in relation to what they want. To do going forward and they know at that point because they've divided up what's going on they can then make decisions with a, a full information of, of I'm in control of my destiny I can then run this going forward as to, to what it is the the con on that side of things of dividing up the business is that there's usually not enough wealth to share around yeah. in a lot of the family businesses yeah. some of them yes there is to be able to divide that up but most of them don't so then there's this balance between what's fair and what's equitable or that there's people that just need to then try and strive out on their own with not much backing at all. So that's one of the really big cons in there. Yeah. And then also because of some of those underlying assumptions that happen, relationships between family members can really break down. And, you know, as we know, every family's different really, aren't they? Hundred percent. They're all all different, and this uh, dividing up or keeping the the business together. I haven't really spoken about that one yet. It is really um, there can be a combination of both. So the the options aren't just one or the other. There's a combination (laughs) of both. I might just circle back on um, maybe some of the pros and cons associated with keeping the family business together. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. As such, so some of the the pros and cons in keeping the family business together is actually being able to leverage some of that equity with with within the group to be able to get a really good outcome for all family members and to grow the family going forward. So if you're looking to then buy another property and so forth, then you've got the equity and you've got the backing of the of the sole family business there to be able to try and expand on that kind of level. So there's different ways in there to do that. that so that's one of the pros. Um, there's a few others, but that's one of the pros. <laughs> one of the one of the cons in there is that 
if you're keeping the family together, then communication is really important and working out kind of frameworks and, and roles and responsibilities of each of the different parties within that. And then, you know, roles, responsibilities, but then also what remuneration each kind of party would have, but, you know, within that group to be able to make sure that they're, that they think that they get a fair outcome for what's going on. All right. So if families are out there maybe trying to get their heads around exploring succession options in the family agribusiness, you and the team there can certainly help them out. Yeah, absolutely. The key thing that we look to do is really understand, you know, we understand agribusiness, so mm. we understand the importance of, of legacy and that family farm where everyone's grown up and they've got those memories and everything like that in there. Also then, how to make a business and a viable business going forward for the parties that are going to be involved. So the, the key thing that we look to do is then really understand what everyone wants. And, and sometimes when that communication is quite difficult within the family, having a third party come and actually ask those questions in relation to what do you want? How, how could this work? What are you trying to achieve going forward? How would you see things in this kind of environment can really open up some options that, that may not have even been considered by the the matriarch or the patriarch because usually a lot of though the communic the lack of communication that comes through is because they don't know the answers they don't know how to make this either fair or equitable between their sibling between their kids mm. because they they love them all and they want to try and you know do this but they want to make sure they also understand the strain associated with agribusiness you have good seasons you have bad seasons and if you leave a business that is too stretched in there to be able to actually be viable going forward because you've cut it up too much, then then that's really hard and they, they sometimes don't know what the answers are. So that's why that nothing's said and that's that's what we find around the place. So we really try and understand where everyone's at, where the business yep. is at, where it's at financially, you know, emotionally and and so forth before we then even think about what the outcome's going to look like at, at the back end because that can weave and change depending on what the circumstances are. All right. So uh, for our listeners this morning, if they do want to know more just to get in contact with you and the team there at BDO? Absolutely. I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone around any of these kind of things going on and uh, and see whether we can help. I'm happy to leave my contact details with you, Troy. Yep. Um, and if anyone wants to get in touch, then you can pass them on. Yep. And otherwise, there's information on our BDO website. That's www.bdo.com.au. And there's a specific agri-section, agribusiness section on there that talks about succession planning and a multitude of other yep. um, topics. If you uh, do want to know more, uh, check out the BDO website today. Or, of course, give us a buzz here at the station, one trip. Three five three. We can pass on Jody's number there for you. We can uh, have a chat with Jody, and uh, she will do her best to uh, help you out. Hey, uh, Jody, nice to chat. Good luck with the team there at BDO. Thanks, Troy. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, are you an agribusiness family? Are you speaking about succession plans? Well, do get in contact with the team there today at BDO. Jody is a partner there, as we said, and a leader in their agribusiness team. To know more, just check out the website bdo.com.au. They're on social media pages just look up bdo on on twitter all the information right there for you and i'm sure jody and the team there will certainly help you out the best that they can hey that is it for today's rural focus podcast hey thank you for your company today we look forward to bringing you another rural focus podcast here on the listener app again very soon